Welcome to Day 4 of Dragonfire, otherwise known as Episode 97 of G.I. Joburg. My name is Steven, and I'm joined by... Got to get tough, Joe Berg, Paul. Some kind of music, Rob. <laughs> and Cujo on the West Coast, currently in the Python pionization process. <laughs> pulling on your yellow panties, boy. Damn. Hey. And this, is, this is audio, brother. Audio. Oh, nice. <laughs> Painted with your mind. Okay, there are two talking points that came right out of that introduction. And the first is Pythonization process, and the second is music. I mean, those are two jewels that we've been given by the Deke series. What do you guys think of the music cues that were, I suppose, new to us? They're kind of boring. <laughs> Well, don't worry, Rob. <laughs> they will be around for the rest of Deke. <laughs> it's like the oh, classic, no. the classic Sunbow music cues get phased out, and all that we're left with is that very synthetic, you know, electronic scoring. <laughs> so yeah, that's not so positive. And I suppose I, I don't know, Kuj, what do you think of the Pythonization? Since you brought it up, I, I think when we talked vehicle uh, repaints, I said as much as I need to say on on the look, but. As a plot device, it's interesting. I mean, it's fresh. What about you? Well, I'm glad that it got some expose. It wasn't just like, hey, these vehicles are radar resistant. We get a story. It's hokey as shit, but at least we get something. And we see Cobra Commander adopting a role that he could conceivably have. I mean, he's always enlisted the aid of others to be his evil scientist types, but we learn in G.I. Joe the movie that in fact Cobra Commander started out as one of the most gifted scientists of Cobra Law. So why need Mindbender? Why need Destro? You can make your own weapons. But yes, Mm -hmm. we are getting ahead of ourselves. This episode deals with the return of Cobra Commander to form, so what better episode to discuss? The definitive Cobra Commander action figure. I mean, this is a discussion that we could have as a standalone. We don't really need to talk about Operation Dragonfire, but but we must, and we should, and we shall. But first up, gents, your definitive Cobra Commanders. I want to actually hear who Cujo's favorite Cobra Commander is, purely because I know that Cujo's a huge Cobra Commander fan. Set the tone, Cujo. I'll take it. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. To me, Cobra Commander, as as a character, is about as interesting as a character as I've encountered in fiction. Just because he works best for me when he's never caught. Like, I want to see an entire G.I. Joe series where nobody ever actually sees Cobra Commander. They're just talking to a hologram. And then, you know, at the end of the series, you finally actually see him. But to me, that's how he works best, is kind of just a... Uh, Well, symbolically, if you want to go back to our Cobra Civil War talk, I'm sure we can revisit that. But to me, it's hard to beat the original Hama designs. It always will be. There's definitely a lot of art. I'm going to lean on art for this for a little bit. And I'll I'll ask this question of you guys. 
you know, probably every fan out there has their Cobra Commander. The hood is more expressive for artists. You know, you can show it whipping. You can show his motion. You can show his intensity because you can see his eyes. But there's also something about the mirror, which Hama, I think, wanted to show us about the ugliness within ourself. A lot of time is spent pointing fingers in our world. It's usually about us. So I think when it comes to the artwork, the picture that always makes me think Cobra Commander, he's he's got to be holding the globe in some way. Because that, to me, is is probably one of the more interesting thematic things that runs through the series. But as far as just straightforward art, it's hard to beat the card art because it catches something about Cobra Commander that, that, that few else have, and that is a, a term just called swerve. And, and you hear it in a lot of funny contexts, but there's a sense of motion that he's ducking out of the path of something, uh, or he's sidestepping what you think. So I'm going to go with the original card art. As far as characters go, it's probably not hard to follow me on this one. When I look at the Battle Armor Cobra Commander, there is some intrigue for me. And actually, the Dick series didn't draw him too badly on the screen. There's a lot of lines. There's a lot of ways to mess that mask up. They did a pretty good job. So when it comes to uh, the, the battle armor, I'll float a question. And, and the, the folks in the room, uh, obviously, you guys can respond. But obviously, to the community, hit us up on uh, Twitter or, or Facebook. But I'm curious about the design on his, his shirt. It could be viewed as a couple things. It could be. Uh, a symbol of a bird. Pardon me. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. Never mind. I'm just I'm just making a jab at one of the toys, Miss Prince. Anyway, carry on. To me, I, I can throw a couple things out. I'm I'm a little confused about the four dots on the stomach. If that means anything to anybody, please reach out. But it, I can go a couple of different ways, and I'm not going to go into detail. But you could go eagle there. You could go goat. And that's that's another that's another question for another day for me. But I think uh, for me, it's going to be V1. I'm not going to chew up the mic anymore because I'm curious what you gentlemen bring to it. I would say maybe there's a lot of Cobra Commanders to sneeze at along the way. I would say some of my personal favorites is Old Snake from 2015. <laughs> that's, that's, just a, that's just a fun figure. You know, put, put a bottle of bourbon in his hand and you got washed up Cobra Commander spitting stories about failed wor- <laughs> world domination and whatnot. <laughs> Huh. Um, How's he drinking? Ding, ding. Yeah, <laughs> he's got a he's got a silly straw, obviously. <laughs> obviously, dude, there's like 50 versions of this guy. I'm spent. Uh, Robert, 60. step up to the mic. What do you got for Cobra Commander? <laughs> there, there's a lot of really good versions of Cobra Commander, and one of my favorites, but not my absolute favorite. I just want to mention because it is version 53, which is the GI Joe Retaliation version. Really good sculpting, and he comes with both heads, so you don't actually have to choose <laughs> if you like, you know, the silver masked one or the the kind of hooded version, which is is pretty sweet. Uh, and he comes with a gun, he comes with a knife. It's really cool. But for me, probably my absolute favorite is gonna be. Ah, oh, now that I come to this moment, I'd. <laughs> choked. He choked. He choked. Just did. like Kevin Anderson. <laughs> Kevin Anderson? Oh, uh, some uh, tennis player. 
The first <laughs> South African to ever make the final in a Grand Slam. No, he didn't choke. <laughs> he was up against the world number one, and he lost. So what? He's made history anyways. Who did he play against again? Rafa Nadal. Oh, yeah. Oh, now Rafa Nadal now knows that South Africa is actually a country. Yay, thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Actually, no, let me go back to the one that I, I'd already decided on. It would be version 1.5, which is the one that came out in 1983. Technically the second version, but it's just the first version with swivel arm battle action. Because he's ready for action. He's going out there into the field, leading the troops... You know, and getting turned around and shouting, you know, retreat, please. <laughs> I'm not good at this. I'm a scientist from Kerbala. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the version I prefer. You know, seeing him out in the field rather than kind of machinationing, machining behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Turning your thumbs. Well, there's something to be said for just how clean cut his waist fits in with his, his kind of a centerpiece. It's such a great balanced figure. And you, I think you mentioned in an earlier episode that Cobra Commander has a cute butt. Didn't you say that, Rob? I'm pretty sure I did. And yeah. if I didn't, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there a better casted feature? Like, has anybody's gun gotten loose on Cobra Commander's back? Because mine still fits in snug after all these years. Second Bizarre. Yeah. All those squads. Oh, wait, you mean in the backpack? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so who else, who, who else loves Cobra Commander here? I love Cobra Commander. Cobra Commander is... I'm sorry, but hands down one of the best bad guys from the 80s. Okay, this guy... He's got so much character, I love him to bits. I mean, you know, we had Skeletor and Mumra, and I can't even think of the others because they weren't as cool as Cobra Commander. But Cobra Commander just stuck in my head, and you never know how smart he really is. If he's, like, really intelligent and is playing a bluff, or if he's just really dumb, really lucky, and knows how to roll with it. This guy's the ultimate con man uh, in so many ways to me, and... I have always typically pictured him as being a very dark character behind the scenes, uh, like sort of pulling strings as much as he can. And, you know, just being very careful, very good at maintaining conflict. And I suppose that's not really Cobra Commander. That's all the writers of G.I. Joe. That's Larry Harmer. And even to an extent, all the guys that worked on Sunbow and Deke's run. I mean, these guys have all been Cobra Commander in some ways. They've always had to find a new way to draw G.I. Joe into action. So, and I'm not going to dwell on these, although I, I was fortunate enough to have had a Talking Battle Commander's Cobra Commander, that is not my definitive, but a great figure nonetheless, and definitely defined Cobra Commander's look for me as a young one. But, wow, we've had so many incredible and interesting releases of this toy. It's, it's actually mind-boggling from... Red-faced, gold-helmeted Cobra Commanders where you can barely see his face through the visor with a launchable, I don't know, gliding missile retardation uh, with the <laughs> super-duper muscular physique, um, all the way down to um, Renegades' very Bond-like 
uh, version of Cobra Commander, Hasbro has really given us a lot. And in a lot of ways, I'm kind of spoiled for choice because there's so much that's good that's happened with Cobra Commander. He's always been handled really well or really badly, like terribly. Like I'm looking at you, Pursuit of Cobra, five points of articulation, SOB, Cobra Commander. Anyway, my favorite would have been the version 39, which is the Cobra Commander that came with the G.I. Joe Resolute box set. Uh, That really, really terrific figure. I've said this before in the past. He's got that great coat. He looks very Gestapo. Uh, He's very evil. His attitude in the show just makes the toy even cooler than that. He's got fantastic accessories. Had they never released Ultimate Cobra Commander, this would have been my Ultimate Cobra Commander. But they did. And Hasbro created a fine, fine figure. Possibly one of my favorite uh, modern era Joes in my collection. He's got a fantastic little um, helicopter backpack. He, this Cobra Commander's got it all. I mean, if I had <laughs> is to tell somebody... Is um, it fantastic? It is. Points for the initiative, but the execution? Oh. No. they. I'm sorry, but they could have made this thing a million times worse. And I think... <laughs> okay. Well, thank God for that. <laughs> they could have made it a million times worse. Even the button that you use to spin the little propeller is even sort of justified. It doesn't look like a button. It looks like some kind of, like, ammo belt or some kind of ammo container. So it's it's somewhat homogenous with the whole thing. You know, no, it doesn't blend in. It does stick out like a sore thumb, but it looks like a sore thumb that belongs there. It could have been a really shitty action feature like what they did with the Ultimate Storm Shadow, but it wasn't. And I'm really happy that I've got this because it's, you know, uh, uh, it, it's kind of harks back to those old motorized backpacks. Anyway... This is the Cobra Commander to have. If you haven't got this one, get him. Uh, You can't ask for more from a Cobra Commander. In fact, this is the one to get. This is the definitive Cobra Commander. They've even redone his hooded mask, and it looks so much better than previous iterations. And the full chrome on the actual um, faceplate helmet is fantastic. Yes, also good luck getting one of these on eBay because I think they're quite pricey now. I think they, they're sitting in the 50 or $60 range uh, last time I checked. But then again, I haven't checked in a while. Well, I'm Mr. Old School, remember? And since we've got two backers for the original Cobra Commander and the Battle Helmet Cobra Commander at that, I'm going to throw a spanner in the works just because I love it. The original version of Cobra Commander is a classic, an instant classic. It's a beautiful figure, and it feels like something special. You can see why this was as a mail-away exclusive back in the day, because it's like you were getting something that you shouldn't be able to get at a brick-and-mortar store. It's something with a, a sense of occasion to it, and it's easy to see why. Not only is he the most dangerous man in the world, but he's presented in such an immaculate way. So, to pick a definitive, it would have to be a look that emulates that original figure, but then improves upon it. Because, let's face it, the helmet, when you look at the side profile, is a little bit weird. It's a little bit sloped too far towards his jaw. It's as if Cobra Commander has, like, some kind of weird headgear on his mouth. And they always corrected Mm -hmm. that in his comic book and cartoon appearances, giving him a more straight line running from, from, I suppose, his temple down to his chin. Uh, And obviously the Fritz-style helmet, which on the original, the helmet isn't as defined as I'd like it. 
It doesn't have the rim, uh, the, the lip, which uh, makes for its outline. And that's such a distinctive Cobra Commander battle helmet look that I had to go modern era. Version 53 is pretty formidable, and it also allows you the freedom to not have to choose between hood or helmet. But I'd say there's a modern era version that goes one better. And that's the version to recently come with the STCC Missile Command HQ. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening. <laughs> this is a reproduction of Mickey Mouse Cobra Commander, but it gets absolutely every other detail absolutely nailed. He doesn't have the long gloves. He has the short gloves, which tuck into the, the cuffs of his battle jacket, just like the 1982 version. He has the stripe obviously running down his pants. The knife sheath on his left is functional, but it one-ups version 53, the retaliation version, by having an active holster on his back for the Venom Blaster. And that, my friends, is such a vital detail that without it, I just can't make it the definitive. So yes, I'm going to tip in favor of the most recent release of Cobra Commander. And perhaps one of the most exclusive releases of that Cobra Commander. So, good luck getting your hands on him, but he is definitely the Cobra Commander's beat. He's just perfect. With that pick, are you alluding to the fact that you have that playset? <laughs> I realize we skipped some new shit. Uh, no, Kuj, I, I do not. And I think I made the right decision in not picking it up even though I saw it uh, in person when I was over in Singapore. Uh, if you happen to watch the YouTube video, you would have you would have perhaps picked that up. But, yeah... I, Crap, I would have gotten one. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Carry on. I've got to echo the words of my buddy Dan Shemansky, who basically supported me in my decision not to purchase it, because, you know, $100 or more on essentially three figures and some cardboard, it's a hard sell for anyone even for the ultimate Cobra Commander in my eyes. So I will admire this version of Cobra Commander from a distance. It does. What that playset gives you is a look at the most intriguing yellow hole in the Cobra base. (laughs) Um, What is that guy doing in that bright tunnel? What what are they doing in there, guys? Okay, um, I did want to bring some attention... A little tip of the cap from G.I. Joe, I imagine. If you're looking at version 33 Cobra Commander, you'll see that that's the uh, politician version. And <laughs> but of course. If you recall, uh, issue 33 of, of Ara is that issue with uh, Cobra Commander at the pulpit. I believe I have that figure somewhere. It's a beauty. So that, that's a nice one to bring attention to. That one is cool. The the one where he's yeah, where he's got the pulpit and he's uh, and I think in that box he came with a little bit of a backdrop as well. Or I, I, yeah, yeah, no, he does. I got him with the khakis. It's a good look. Yeah, it's cool. Was that an SDCC exclusive or was that like a five pack that he came in like that? Because I know that one of my five packs came with a black Cobra Commander and it's actually got that drapery and everything behind him. And the way it was packaged, it had like a cardboard pulpit, if memory serves. I mean, I've got it somewhere. I've got all the boxes. It's yes. got some fanfare. And uh, no, it is it is an SDCC. That was quite a line, if you're asking. 
But I'm just now noticing that that figure has a shield on the jacket. I'm going to have to scrutinize that later. Mm. Mm -hmm. But something that it gets right as well, while we're on the topic of SDCC, Missile Command HQ Cobra Commander, is that um, unfortunately 53 has that silver panel on the helmet. I find that distracting, guys. Uh, personally, I mean, I'm, I'm more in favor with just a blue helmet. You mean the stripe? Oh, okay. The stripe, yeah, on the top of the helmet. I, I don't understand that. And what do you call those things uh, that go over your 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 shoes? Is it um, uh, um, gusset? Tuffington's. I don't know. What the fuck I don't know. A gusset. <laughs> I, I think it's a gusset. No, is it a gusset? I don't know. Whatever it is that, that sort of trowels over your shoes, um, which is... I don't know why I find it so so appealing, but it is definitively Cobra Commander, and it just feels like a classic to me. Like, there's something undeniably retro and old school about Buckethead Cobra Commander. Like, when I encountered it for the first time, I was like, wow, this design is old. Because for some reason, the, the fabric version was something that was always known to me. I always had an awareness of it, even when I jumped onto Joe. But Buckethead was... A discovery. It was like, wow, this is what Cobra Commander really looks like. Cool. Okay, guys, just to have a recap, Kujo was down with Old Snake. My, my, yeah. my definitive was was same as Rob's. Yeah, mm. version 1.5. He just okay, said he so really got... liked Old Snake. Okay, oh, okay, that's what it was. Sorry, man, I'm just double-checking because I know I was gushing as well. So, oh, um, so we got two down for 1.5. Steve, uh, you were also a 1.5 man, weren't you? Oh, Paul, you're sucking at this, man. <laughs> Rob and Cujo are 1.5s, though. I seem to recall Cujo actually saying version 1. I guess he's a straight-arm kind of guy. I am going to settle on the SDCC exclusive, Cobra Missile Command HQ, which is exclusive, but no other version has nailed it as sweetly as this one. And you are a version... Uh, 53, 2013's Retaliations Ultimate Cobra Commander, as it says on the box. <laughs> it's all hype, don't believe it. <laughs> but yes, no, it's nice. That... And actually, Steve brought up a good point about it, and I just want to quickly just give it a last little hurrah. Uh. For those of you who have wanted a Cobra Commander with a non-gun uh, holstering back that has a classic <laughs> look, or well, look no further than version 53. <laughs> oh, well, different strokes for different folks. But there is an all-important question that we need to answer. Is anyone here a raghead fan over a battle helmet? I know our picks have, have pointed us in the other direction. But does anyone actually prefer Cobra Commander in his cultish look, I guess? <laughs> uh... I'm sorry, I'm so on the fence with this. I cannot tell you which one I like more than the other because it's for me it really depends on the situation. It's it's a context uh, it's a context thing for me. Fair I enough. feel that both looks work exceptionally well in their respective sort of comfort zones. If that makes sense. <laughs> okay, Paul's <laughs> answer is a no answer. I'm a battle helmet kind of guy for reasons I've already stated that it's just even more classic. Like the the hood was played out. The battle helmet seemed far more exotic and unusual. And I was like, ooh, that's old school. That's cool. That's Cobra Commander. But, uh, mm -hmm. Kuj, we can, you've pretty much given your opinion. Sorry, I don't want to get you to repeat yourself, but uh, for you, the mask is more expressive and the battle helmet gives you that mirror look, which is a great symbol. 
But which one is the superior look for your Cobra Commander? I'm going to agree with Paul. Situational. If you got Cobra Commander on the throne, the rag looks good because you probably got top-down lighting. Uh, I, I like the way Zek has drawn the hood on him. But, I mean, obviously, I like the mirror just because of who could be reflected off that mirror in an intense conversation or something like that. Bro, and if you want a beautiful example of that in artwork, I tell you to look no further than issue 24, penciled by the legendary Russ Heath. My goodness. This is, I think, the finest G.I. Joe art ever. Ever. Both in its, like, anatomical correctness, its attention to detail, and its absolutely faithful representation of the characters, the vehicles and equipment, the tone, everything about this issue. It's just my favorite, favorite, favorite. Cobra Commander himself is portrayed so lovingly in absolutely every frame that he's in. Uh, you also see features like the, the slide on the top of the helmet to reveal the explosive panel. And also the panel where he can extend a straw, which, I don't know, I'm glad it was a detail they illustrated, but I don't fully understand how it works, even uh, with a close-up presented to us by Mr. Heath. That said, it is just beautiful. And Storm Shadow gets action, Gung-Ho and Roadblock get a, a piece of the action, and Duke with the Skyhawk. Oh my goodness, an issue full of wind. Cobra now controls the immense natural power called Dragonfire. And Cobra Commander has used it to create an army of ape warriors. Meanwhile, Scoop has learned that Cobra's lied to him. And he's now doing his best to help G.I. Joe for real. But Lowlight isn't ready to let him off the hook. And now, our story continues. Day 4, Operation Dragonfire. Gents, what do we think of this episode? It's all over the place. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> it continues the story of, of you know, Scoop, kind of, you know, his, his being the main focus, but it suddenly adds a lot more Friedman-isms. <laughs> you know, I mean, we mentioned the Pythonization earlier, but it also does a lot of really crazy shit and probably, yeah, it adds a lot of crazy shit. Let me let someone else say, say some stuff before I start getting into specifics. <laughs> Well, for me, it shifts to uh, a couple new main characters. Uh, Copperhead, for one, who kind of comes out of nowhere as this character that's playing both sides, like like the gambler that he is. And the other character that kind of rises to the surface is someone I'm forgetting right now, but maybe somebody else can place him. Lowlight? Uh, Serpento? Scoop? No, it was it was a low-level bad guy. Hmm. Ali Barker. Oh, okay, you yeah, you start to see a, a bit more of the complexity to uh, an unnamed Joe character, Ali Viper, but they're infusing quite a bit of personality in him. So, a couple odd character arcs that one ends in, in yellow underwear, as we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny, because we've got Cobra Commander debasing a character because that character is sucking up to him. Um, of course, referring to Ali Viper, who uh, Cobra Commander refers to as a toady. And that's kind of odd because Cobra Commander loves it when people suck up to him. So that's kind of bizarre as well. And an interesting character moment. And it stands out as being one of those, this episode is going one way and then something like that happens for me. And I'm like, huh? 
Oh, it's terrific. The interesting character moments are being given over to not even supporting cast, but like cannon fodder characters. Yeah. You got major players like Cobra Commander and Serpentor vying for the support of not the Baroness, not Destro, but Ali Viper and Scoop. Yeah. I mean it's it's wonderful. This kind of entire like paradigm shift. Like all of a sudden it's not important who from the inner circle you've got on your side. It matters who of the troops have got your back. I think it's a terrific mm. moment, and it, it's something that happened in the Cobra Civil War, but we only see played out now in 1989 in Operation Dragonfire in the animation. It's so Cheers. interesting to have this, uh, this power struggle filtered down through the ranks, and I, for one, absolutely love it. It's like a battle of the pawns, and <laughs> whoever's got the most pawns on your side wins the day. It doesn't matter if Baroness is nibbling your ear or not. She's one person. You want the support of the troops, the man in the uniform with the rifle. So I... Yeah, hearts and minds, baby. <laughs> guys, expect this episode to do quite well for me. That and the fact that it involves an awesome aerial dogfight with shifting allegiances. It's got all the elements of a personal favorite episode. But uh, running through the main events of day four... It's uh, nice to note that we don't start with a surprise uh, location shift. Mm. We start the episode right where we left off in the previous episode. There's no need for, like, a, a bit of forced exposition, like, oh, we're now in the Mastodon Caves, or, oh, we've moved to South America. You are right in the thick of things. G.I. Joe's on the run. Cobra's chasing them down. Well, speaking about Dester and his support... He flipped very quickly. I mean, as Stephen was saying about a few minutes ago um, about um, the pawns, he very quickly turned over to Cobra Commander. I mean, there wasn't even like a discussion or anything about it. And probably one of the funniest moments of the episode comes when Baroness, she's like, okay, so you, you want to join us, but there's one last condition. You have to dump Zorana. And he does. And, and then he literally dumps her. He's like, <laughs> okay, he he looks away from the screen, and then, she, you know, Zoran is sitting, and then he pushes a button, and she just <laughs> falls out of the couch or whatever the foul she was sitting in. You know, just, just you know, and she's gone. <laughs> Bye-bye. I mean, Presumably it's just such to her death. unexpected moment. Well, it, is I she... don't know, it's like... <laughs> is she coming back from that? I mean, okay, look, obviously it's a cartoon. The intention is obviously one of non-lethality, but like in in the in the real situation, would Baroness not insist that she be killed painfully? And I think so. If if Destro is as whipped as he's portrayed to be, wouldn't he act on that? Wouldn't he do it? I mean, yeah, it, it, does does Zorana, does she appear at know. all in the rest of the Deke series? She doesn't, no. She doesn't. Wow. Okay, sorry, I just got to interject, interject there. I don't think he's going to make her die in the most painful way. <laughs> Dude, you dissed the Baroness. That's a death sentence. Yeah, I mean, Simple he probably dropped her in a vat of acid or something, but I mean, I don't I don't think he, like, sent her down like a razor blade. 
I mean, you know what? He just dropped her into a vat of acid. He didn't like cut it to ribbons on top of that because you know, like you want the acid yeah. to to eat into the wounds quicker. <laughs> Paul, well, what are you saying here, bro? Were there piranhas? I just realized mutated just... piranhas inside the vat of acid as well, with laser beams for eyes. <laughs> yeah, I just realized I had one of those moments where you know when you say something that like you think is not scary and everybody looks at you like, what the hell? Yeah, I get that a lot. Anyway, <laughs> so a lot at about this point, and I, I, we we've experienced the Pythonization process, have we not? I mean. We have seen how Cobra Commander harnesses the power of Dragonfire and mixes it with the power of Helpless Snake. <laughs> well, it's certainly a better idea than using Dragonfire to create a ape army, because those guys were freaking useless, man. It wore off in they minutes. They were. They were hmm. super but useless. But Monkey Man is fun to say. <laughs> Monkey Man is fun to say. Ape Warriors of Cobra! I actually felt so bad for that snake. Like, Deke really, really raised the emotional stakes on that situation. Because I sat there and I had a bit of a Benji moment. I was like, damn, that poor snake, man. <laughs> and I'm not even like a snake person. I'm just like, Cobra Commander's one cruel son of a bitch. Because, my God. Zero like, regard for the animal companions. Yeah, I mean, he was a snake before that. You know, like, can't he sympathize? Like, isn't there, like, a part of him that, like, you know, twitches a little bit? Yeah, especially for snakes. I mean, come on. He's a citizen of Cobra Law. He's part snake himself. Hell, he was a snake. <laughs> exactly. And that, like, sat there with, uh, sitting in my brain, and I was like, what the hell, dude? And, okay, so we, we've now pythonized these vehicles and everything, so now we're getting everybody into rave gear. Guys, what are your thoughts on Pythonization, or on, on Python Patrol in general? Like, uh, inside the show and outside of the show, like... Because I, I, I have a theory um, that I'd like to just throw at you guys quickly. I think this next run of G.I. Joe was a little bit risky for Hasbro and, you know, introducing a new cartoon. So I think Python Patrol, uh, as Steve has mentioned in an earlier episode, um, was a good way to get troop builders back in the line. But it was also a very safe way of getting toys on the shelves and putting them into the animated series. Um, and giving it a decent kind of explanation and then just throwing it out into the world and sort of just checking, you know, playing it safe. I think it's Hasbro playing it safe. And the same goes for Slaughter's Marauders, which is also a lot of repaints. So that's my theory on it. I think they were playing it safe. What do you guys feel? I like that it became a plot point for both sub-teams. To a lesser degree, Slaughter's Marauders. But the plot point that I refer to with the Slaughter's Marauders was... We tended to have a lot more tank-on-tank -tank battles, and that's mm -hmm. purely because a large portion of G.I. Joe's vehicle complements in 1989 were armored vehicles. It was like Slaughter's Marauders was just like taking all the best hits from the years prior to that, redecoing them, and putting them alongside the radar and <laughs> the radar rat. Yeah, we're going to see that <laughs> a little bit later in the next episode, but... Uh, it's it's fantastic that they are being implemented properly and being implemented a lot. With Python Patrol, we get an even more plot device-y uh, introduction because they form part of Cobra Commander's ultimate plan. It's like, mm. so Pentor's plan was the Dragonfire. Cobra Commander is able to materially add to that by hatching his own subplot, which is this Pythonization process, which he stumbled onto 
through the Dragonfire discovery. I mean, the ability to harness the power of animals, uh, yeah, it's it's MacGuffining all over itself. Mm. But, <laughs> you know, I like the fact that it wasn't just like, hey, here's some cool new vehicles, all radar resistant. I'm glad that it was worked in. And worked in with such a great sense of fun. I mean, the scripters in 1989 decided with Python Patrol, not only are we going to make them decode like snakes, but we're going to give them physical attributes of snakes distilled from real-life snakes. And that's bold. And I like the fusing of organic and technological. That's kind of cool. And kind of Cobra. Or is it Cobra Law? Uh, what are your ideas, fellas? I'll, I'll just dip my toes in the pool like this. I think that it's interesting to kind of see in real time how important any sort of narrative attached to characters is. Um, I'll reference one that might be a little closer to us, and that is the first Battlefront game that they did. They didn't put a story on. And in the second one, they have because it was such an outcry. I just don't think – I think you're right about at least there being a story there that people can say, oh, this is why it's that way. Um, I think I think it's important. I think it's savvy of Dick to do that. Uh, so I, I like it. I mean, I, I don't have to agree with how they did it, but it's not bad. Yeah, I'm in favor as well. I like things being explained on screen when it comes to cartoon format. I also like that it's very different to the comic book, which actually gives both – both media, uh, it gives a, it gives both media a lifespan. It it prompts you to, as a fan, read the comic book and the animated series as two separate entities, which I appreciate. Hmm. I think Python Patrol was given the very small lip service of only one issue in the comic book, <laughs> uh, and even in that issue, it was debatable as to whether or not the Pythonization process even worked. <laughs> Since uh, the radar that they were supposed to be sneaking past was actually switched Faulty off. Faulty in the first place, yeah. Well, it had been um, switched off by someone who had been switched bribed. Uh, All right. The operator had been bribed, and <laughs> um, that's how smugglers would get across the, the Dark Lonian Volker Kukukland uh, border. But, anyways, we're talking about Operation Dragonfire, <laughs> yeah. and they offered even more uh, <laughs> explanation into Pythonization. And boy, did it get hokey, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I do like that it was a plot point, so it's it gets a pass from me. Cobra Commander blasts back onto the scene, and something that struck me as odd was exactly how little uh, Destro seemed alarmed by the fact. Okay, he fell in line pretty quickly, but he was like, Oh, Cobra Commander's on the screen. Fascinating. <laughs> and another great coincidence is that Operation Dragonfire seems to be the miniseries that involves very convenient uniform placement. <laughs> uh, Sergeant Slaughter is able to pull Scoop's uniform seemingly out from his ass. Like, literally. He reaches behind himself and out comes the uniform. Uh, <laughs> similarly, Copperhead sees the commander in uh, no clothes. <laughs> uh, well, a few skins. And says, look, commander, I found this. In my hovercraft. I mean, could you get a more convenient stash of clothing? I don't think no, so. 
And I'm sure there's a very interesting backstory there. I'm sure Copperhead's like, I'm going to make Cobra Commander the best uniform ever. And then he brings it to Cobra Commander, and Cobra Commander's like, ah, yes, Copperhead, you found one of my old uniforms. You know, Cobra Commander, and then Copperhead's like, ah, Senpai noticed me. Yeah, okay, so I take it all back. Uh, In terms of um, good plot points, uh, motivating new characters and new equipment, that was piss poor, because... Mm. That uniform in the comic books gets a lot of fanfare. It is redesigned by a mechanical engineering genius, one of the Crimson Guardsmen, who then uses it to impersonate Cobra Commander because anyone could be inside the mask. Here, it's literally like, it's over in seconds. Like, oh, here's a uniform that I just pulled out of my ass. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Well, there certainly is a lot of like costume changes, um, as well as kind of guys infiltrating other teams. You know, like Scoop was sent to infiltrate the Joes. And then Lowlight, who had chained Scoop to him in the previous episode, and at the start of this episode kind of lost him. And then the tree falls on them. Oh, yes. Sorry. That's where I was trying to go. And then the tree falls on them, and then Scoop gets away. But Lowlight doesn't give up that easily. He then decides to go off on his own. <laughs> yeah, a dog with a bone, or, or more like... Um, a Tommy Lee Light. Jones with a, ha- uh, with a Harrison Ford. Lone <laughs> <laughs> Light. Out alone. <laughs> Lone Light is Russell Crowe to Scoop's Hugh Jackman, basically. Um, right. And he just keeps... He's so dogged in his, like, pursuit of Scoop that, I mean, he gets, gets into a completely different outfit, and he, you know, he, like, pursues him to the Cobra base. It's it's crazy. How does he do that, by the way? Like, what outfit does he does he adorn? I want to hear um, you say it, Rob. <laughs> it was the Night Viper, wasn't it? It's a Night Viper, and what a cool choice, actually. Um, it's appropriate. Yeah, it's super appropriate. But um, something funny just to note about Low Lights, and I just maybe do a double take when watching the episode because I know what happened. But the editing of the show, the pacing of the show, was a bit funny. Lowlight's going to go in in pursuit of Scoop now. And Sergeant Slaughter's all like, you know, we haven't got time for that kind of thing, blah, blah, blah. And uh, anyway, it's like something along those lines. And then Scoop, I mean, Lowlight kind of just takes off. Sergeant Slaughter and uh, Stalker are about to stop him. And all of a sudden, this tree just falls down into frame. And (laughs) the way my head worked that out is that Lowlight took down a tree to stop them from pursuing him. Meanwhile, that's not actually the case, but it just, it seemed like such a temper tantrum. Like, I'm sick of you guys, I'm going to go catch Scoop. Knocks down a tree, you can't follow me now. That's just <laughs> how it played out in my head. But obviously we know it's from the conquest that was sort of hijacked and, and shooting missiles everywhere and causing all kinds of ruckus. It's a nice place to introduce maybe the, uh, the, the star player from the uh, bad guys. And that would be Nagahide. He seems to catch a bunch of favorable one-liners in this. Mm, and some great uh, animation. His zipline mm. move, sort of jump zipline, from the temple down to where the conquests are parked, that is some choice, choice animation. And it's not that consistent with Deke, I must say. Like, some of the, the, the movement seems clumsy as hell. I can only think back to day two when Stalker and the Alley Viper are grappling in the water, and it's like a kind of a really lame uh, 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 kind of seesaw. But here we have a great motion from Norgahide 
coming down from the, the top of the temple and into the clearing. And, not to mention, a very clever way of explaining why Cobra have conquests. Though, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I seem to recall there were like either three or maybe maximum of five conquests parked in that clearing. But, damn, do we see Cobra get a lot more conquests. I guess they sort of mm-hmm. maybe uh, r- r- um, backwards engineered the conquests and were able to produce their own in record time. I don't know. I don't know. No, they used a Dragonfire Pythonization and a Conquest in the same machine. Okay, so they, they used the, the, the ability of a bunny rabbit to reproduce really rapidly, and they fused yeah. that with the Conquest, so it multiplied. That, there we go. You've got a Friedman plot right there. Well done. Kiki. <laughs> yeah, bunch of Conquests having sex with each other. <laughs> So what's happened to our old boy Serpento then? Like, where's he at at this point in the episode? Like, what's happening <laughs> guys, to the big bad guys, guy? Before we get to Serpento, <laughs> doesn't Cobra Commander have the most out of place, ridiculous line ever when the co- the the Joseph sort of scurried after being routed by by the Cobra forces, and. <laughs> the, the Cobras all uh, reconvene, and Cobra Commander says, Bless you, my lads. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the most ridiculous line you've ever heard? Bless you, my lads. <laughs> what the actual hell? <laughs> yes. They're in the clearing, and the apes have just transformed back into their original form so cobra command is outnumbered amongst the joes but then ali viper and his night viper reinforcements re- show up and cobra command is like bless you my lads you guys can you picture the scene now yes i know oh, exactly what you need to man. what a what an absolute corker oh dear i laughed and laughed and laughed and then i cried <laughs> and then i laughed and laughed some more jeez. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh god this is some really stupid stuff so Serpento so what happens to this poor guy I mean you know everybody's like shit's get of Serpento we got Destro now you know he's dumping Serana literally and, and dumping uh, Serpento as it turns out yeah and the bromance mm. is over but isn't there like I recall there being some kind of uh, condor action in this episode Absolutely. Serpentor mm-hmm. is arriving in a Cobra Condor to, I suppose, find out what the hell's going on. And Cobra Commander decides to send two of his newest recruits up to uh, form the welcoming committee. One of them is the new commander of Python Patrol, Copperhead. I guess he got promoted simply because he managed to find Cobra Commander some cool duds. Mm-hmm. And not only was he promoted and given a new uniform, but did you guys notice that when he when he transformed from his regular old school uniform into his Pythonized uniform, he got his eyes back. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the visor was did. taken away, and he, we now have a little bit more personality to our Copperhead. And I think the explanation that I'm going to use is that somehow the mistake that we discussed in previous episodes. Uh, with Copperhead's look being duplicated and made into the this, this sort of generic hovercraft pilot. Somehow, Copperhead was made into this troop builder, but once he was utilized in his Pythonized uh, form, then all of a sudden it was like, okay, that's on the character sheet as a a unique character, not a troop builder. Mm. 
Mm. You get what I'm saying? So they did away with the the lens. Oh, speaking of people getting their eyesight, they also gave Cobra Commander human eyes once he got inside of his armor. Mm. Did you kind of want to like I didn't I didn't know what to think about that. Like was that just kind of them just glossing over a character swap? Kujo and my They're just experience. being accurate to the toy. The toy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say the same thing. There's because you notice the toy does have some kind of like almost wrinkle detail in those eye sockets. Like there's some weird mm. like folds and lines. And and that seems to be evident in the animation. But yeah, absolutely. He does not look like a snake man at all. Maybe the uniform has some kind of like fleshy... I don't know, prosthetics on the inside. <laughs> okay, I'm making up ridiculous no-prize-esque explanations right now. But yeah, it was weak that, that it didn't reflect his snakeliness, even though you could see the eyes. I guess it's something that you were made to forget about. It's like, we gonna, we're going to quickly do away with the fact that Cobra Commander ever was a snake. And we're going to do it within the same miniseries. Just in passing, the relationship between... Destro, Serpentor, Cobra Commander. We, we kind of mentioned that Destro kind of turned his back on Serpentor pretty quick. Is there any chemistry thing there that you like as a viewer? Do you like Destro behind Cobra Commander or behind Serpentor more? Uh, do one of those personalities bounce off uh, Destro better for you? The fan fiction side of me that doesn't exist at all uh, doesn't want <laughs> Cobra Commander uh, Destro behind anybody. <laughs> but... No offense, I just I don't see them that way. No, I'm I'm kidding. I, I it's just for yucks. Um, I like the interplay between Destro and Cobra Commander because it's a little bit like it's like oil trying to work with water, but inevitably they're not going to get on well. And I think Destro and Serpentor work too well. I think they're both very honorable and noble kind of people, and I think they work too well. It's it's almost it's almost too good. It it doesn't make for interesting storytelling, you know, when when you've got like, Hi, I'm Destro, hi, I'm Serpentor, and we're BFFs. We never argue <laughs> you know. That's that's like and that's boring. Um I so you. I guess Cobra Cobra Commander and uh Destro for me all the way. That makes sense to me. I, I wasn't I, I mean I don't mean to turn it into a huge debate unless other people have uh, different views on it. I, I agree with that that when Destro and Serpentor are in the same room, there's just there's not, not enough interesting. Yeah. Hmm. For all his nobility, Destro has been shown up in this episode as a man who's not going to go down with the ship. If you recall, it was Destro and Mindbender that rallied together to create Serpentor in the first place mm. and basically use him as a tool to usurp Cobra Commander. And this is within mm -hmm. Sunbow continuity, which the Deke continuity then absorbs. And Destro didn't exactly stick up for Cobra Commander when he was on trial in Cobra Law. Nor did he stand up for Cobra Commander when they were busy blaming him as, as Cobra's curse at the beginning of the, the movie. Now, yeah. after just, I don't know, is it three years of working with, with Serpentor, Destro is ready to toss his emperor in favor of the guy that he helped oust from power. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting to me that the flip-flopping allegiances, it's not just a Cobra thing. Like Destro's got it too. <laughs> his nobility or his loyalty, I should say, is just a veneer. It's just skin deep. 
not even beryllium steel deep yeah he serves destro that's yep. that's how it is he's just a bit more courageous about it and he's <laughs> the one that tips cobra commander off that serpento is coming in a condor z25 mm. so as i was saying cobra commander orders copperhead and his new pal scoop into the air because as he puts it scoop obviously has uh, spent time in the seat of a conquest so he should be pretty adept at flying them <laughs> which is ironic because he only became a joe like two days ago mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no, he knows all of gi joe's secrets already i mean come now <laughs> in true animation fashion they tear off and take to the skies in a pretty cool sequence you know, the classic lighting of the, the engines shot and then the trundling down the, the jungle uh, landing strip. Hell, it's just basically jungle that they've managed to fly fly these jets out of. And then they managed to sneak up on Serpentor. Serpentor's on the radio and Cobra Commander comes on and he's like, Who is this? Your voice sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, no shit, Serpentor. It's Cobra Commander back from Snakehood. <laughs> I'm on a Mexican radio. And I love <laughs> the fact that Serpentor is jumped. He actually has the line of Two enemy fighters. They didn't show up on my radar. Nice touch. Nice mm. bit of, you know, emphasis that yes, the Pythonization process works. <laughs> we don't know how. But it works. Serpento's <laughs> so exact line, it's a great one. When he realizes he's talking to Cobra Commander, he says, Cobra Commander, you're supposed to be a snake. And those planes didn't show up on radar. Great, great, great stuff. But of course, Serpento always has an ace up his sleeve. And that is his God-given talent for shifting the loyalties of troops. He gets on the horn to Copperhead and tells him, help me out of this situation, and I've got your back. And this works on Copperhead, of course, because he immediately turns on Scoop. The Condor splits into two, and all of a sudden, it's a three-on-one battle between Scoop, the Aero Viper, Serpentor, and Copperhead. Anyways, guys, I'm just going to say at the outset that this is the high point of this episode for me. I'm all about the Jets. And seeing a three-on-one battle with uh, these rather exotic jets that we don't get much exposure to, it's just fantastic. The Condor, with its split-apart feature being animated quite quite lovingly, and the Conquest, oh man, sublime. Mm. Also, I think Cujo's custom Steel Brigader makes an appearance in this episode, but without making an actual appearance, uh, somehow Cobra had gotten hold of his Iguana. In fact, Nogahide must have stolen your iguana. Uh, I mean, it's an iguana in this case. You know, your animal companion, and now it's being merged with Persepental. And Cobra Commander's like a real butthead about it as well, because he's like, you know, if you somehow manage to find a way to turn yourself back into a human, you'll still have a taste for flies. <laughs> I mean, that is why I love CC. He is so cool. <laughs> he is such a dick. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Oh, I, I do like it anytime animals get merged, but I like uh, w- when Steven uh, mentioned the the dog fight. I did like that bit of animation. 
they they do some trench runs and whatnot. Oh, it's great, man. And they kind of uh, exaggerate the size of the jungle. Like, it has giant trees. It's essentially tantamount to you taking your conquest or your python conquest and your condor and flying with your mates through the trees of, like, your nearby forest. It was beautifully, beautifully animated. I, I'm all over it, man. Well, they, they even took time to give some definition to the arrow viper as, as yeah. he fails. Um, <laughs> Poor arrow viper. He had no idea what was going on. He was like, who do I shoot? <laughs> yeah. Somebody tell me who to kill. Uh-huh. Um, what did you guys think about that kind of like exchange between Serpentor and Copperhead? Uh, it didn't really bother me as far as the way that kind of just the, the plots have been handed to us pretty, pretty out in the open. I, I don't know that... It gets a little bit much with the characters switching sides so much. What is this like now? Three characters that are double agents? What's going on? Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Sergeant Slaughter and um, Stalker are kind of into the uh, in this now. They it's revealed in the sense that Stalker has always had faith in Scoop, and now he's he's like he's been playing the double agent because Lowlight had his tantrum and ran off to go and get Scoop. He wasn't filled in or something. And Sergeant Slaughter and Stalker are in the joke. They're like, yep, Scoop is now going to go and re-infiltrate Cobra. It, it doesn't seem like that was always the plan. It seems like that was a good way to write themselves out of a hole there. Yeah, look, I mean, Lowlight's torn off and kind of cut himself off completely. It is rather convenient that the Joes, particularly Stalker, who is in on the plan, wasn't able to say, hey, Lowlight, Lowlight, wait, wait, Scoop is re-infiltrating Cobra on our behalf. No, I mean, that that would have squashed Lowlight's arc, which would have been a pity. I mean, if mm. Stalker was able to get the message to him, it would have robbed us of great moments coming, you know, down the line where Lowlight is finally forced to, to, to see the truth. Uh, and, and that just enhances the bond between these two men at the end. It's like he's traded his buddy in Cobra... For a really good buddy in G.I. Joe. But we'll get there. We'll <laughs> get there. I think we're uh, approaching the moment, the grand moment, where Serpentor and Cobra Commander are finally face-to-face for the first time. And i got to tell you guys, it's magnificently played because it seems so awkward. They're like, okay, what happens now? And I know that's not just a Deke thing. I'm pretty sure it was intentionally awkward. (laughs) Like, the troops are kind of all standing around, like, whoa, okay, there's our emperor, and there's our commander, like, what do we do? And somebody's like, now kiss! (laughs) In the background. (laughs) Cobra Commander makes a great, like, loud appeal, like, you know, help me. And who is it who steps up? Well, none other than Lowlight. Oh, man, I love this moment so much. Lowlight, the Joe, in Night Viper uniform, is the one to step up. And, <laughs> like, Commander's like, I'll give you untold riches. And Lowlight's like, thanks, Commander, but I'd rather just do it for fun. He reaches into his sack and pulls out a snake. <laughs> which then <laughs> entangles itself around Serpentor. We're just bending ourselves backwards with metaphors here. I mean, Serpentor... It's in the name. He was created by some kind of fever dream that struck Dr. Mindbender 
planted by a psychic motivator from Cobra Law, and his weapon of choice are snakes that he uses to send uh, first sergeants into comas. He is, in turn, taken out by a snake. Gorgeous. And also debunking the psychic snake theory I proposed in an earlier episode. Oh, sorry, Paul. It was a, it no. was a nice one. But that myth was busted. <laughs> busted. Yeah. Take that theory. <laughs> now, Serpento is then strapped to a, a, a table, and this, this could have been played a lot more macabrely. You know, his performance could have been a lot more frightened and pleading and, like, just shouting, screaming, no, 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 please don't do this. Please. You know, but, of course, we didn't want to make this too too frightening for children. Why is he transformed into a pet iguana? Wouldn't it have been more fun and more, I suppose, faithful to the toys? Since Deke is so faithful to the toys already, wouldn't it have been more faithful if they transformed him into Nogahide's pet boar? Yeah. Do, do any of you guys agree that that would have been a, a great idea? I think that would have been awesome because it would have been something that's not a snake. And also would have been something that you could, in fact, purchase in stores. Yeah, that's also a bonus. <laughs> and you could put over a slow roasting fire if he stepped out of line. Whereas in Iguana, <laughs> I don't know, man. Is Iguana meat well, any good, Kujo? Do you have any insider information on that? I'm not familiar with iguanas, just bearded dragons. <laughs> I, I, I didn't think the animation, like, I, I wasn't into the iguana the way they drew it. It just didn't interest me visually. So I, at this point, I'm just kind of like, I feel like they've revisited something too many times. But it does make sense that Cobra Commander, much like Cersei from Game of Thrones, mm -hmm. they, they, the punishment fits the crime. Like, uh, yeah. oh, you did this? Well, then you're going to taste it. So I guess it's, you know, poetic. Don't ruin Game of Thrones. Uh, moving along. <laughs> <laughs> you guys like the Cobra airship that Destro arrives in? That's so pretty much. fucking sick. Oh, yeah. Nicely Hi. animated, too. I love mm. the, the landing skid animation. It just had that kind of sense of weight. It looks like a toy. It looks like it was going to be a toy. Yeah. I, I, I can't explain it too better than that. It just looks like a flying MCC. You know, like my brain just went, oh, that could have been a toy. I think that was a toy. I'm sure that was a toy. Why is it not a toy? <laughs> the details so. are nicely fleshed out. The color, it they've done away with that kind of um, royal red that the previous airships had. I don't know. The mm. Cobra airship is a constantly evolving design, and I do like this one. It's it's rock solid. It's really cool. And I do love the shots of it both landing and departing with the Conquest Escort. That is a nice image. I wouldn't mind having a screen grab of that blown up. Mm-hmm. I will note that. Screen grab of that thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, does anyone else find it interesting that Scoop decides to enlist Copperhead as an ally rather than throw him under the bus? Because he could have said, uh, Commander, if you're going to punish Serpentor as you sh rightly should, well, guess what? This guy over here, he's a co-conspirator. He's a double-crossing swine. He's a Serpentor sympathizer, and he tried to blow me out of the sky. So, um, yeah, I think after giving him his yellow panty, we should turn him into an iguana too. <laughs> yeah, but 
you know, there, there's value in that. There's value in that betrayal for Scoop. I mean, that's something Scoop can can leverage. You know, by ha- mm. by having by having Copperhead, he knows where Copperhead's allegiances are right now. So it's easier to to sort of play that. And I think he was quite lucky because had he tried to play Copperhead's allegiances too soon, he would have been unpleasantly surprised, as he was um, in the dogfight. How does this episode wrap? I don't even recall. Well, the Cobra airship begins to make its uh, preparations to take off. It's heading to the final source of dragon fire, uh, the most powerful one in, I suppose, an Indian reservation. <laughs> Lowlight needs to contact the Joes to fill them in on everything that's gone down. So he jumps into a pythonized asp. There's this great bit of animation, a bit of detailing on the cockpit of the asp. The asp doesn't have a cockpit, it's a bed. But anyways, in the animation, the the asp has a cool, like, sit-down cockpit. Lowlight jumps in there and basically, like, presses a panel in and outslides the sort of pop-out telephone. Gorgeous. Anyways, before he's able to use it to get hold of the Sarge, he gets jumped by Alley Viper. And he throws him out of the airship, stranding him back in South America. The Cobras fly off into the distance, and Lowlight swears his revenge. End of the episode. Okay. I'm going to come out with my low point straight off the bat, since I've got the mic. The voice direction really gets shown up in this episode, for me. And at the heart of it is Scoop's performance. Yeah, that's my low. Uh, for instance, you know, he's, he's busy giving us exposition as they're escaping the South American temple. Lowlight's accusing him, saying, you were a member of Cobra, to which Scoop replies, I was a member of Cobra, but that's because Cobra lied and said that you guys... <coughs> they're in a dangerous situation, and his performance is so casual. It's like, it lacks the intensity. Someone just needed to be on his shoulders saying, more intensity, louder, faster, like, scream. You're under fire. And we just don't get that. And it's made very plain when you hear Sergeant Slaughter's delivery. Sarge gets it. But Sarge is, once again, a very, you know, double X large kind of personality. And so I guess that persona never switches off. When he's in Mm. Sergeant Slaughter mode, he's in Sergeant Slaughter mode, whether he's in the ring or in a voice recording booth. But the rest of the cast just don't always rise to the occasion, and that's a real shame for me. Mm. My high point? Oh, man, there are two, but I'll keep it brief. The layers of mistrust and the shifting sands of allegiances in this episode make it very, very watchable. I love (laughs) the awkwardness between Cobra Commander and Serpentor and their face-off being ended by a G.I. Joe in disguise who has absolute, you know, dislike or, or, or hatred for both of these Cobra despots. But when given half the opportunity to do away with one of them, he'll grab it with both hands. You know, Lowlight read the situation perfectly. My other high point, man, I do love me a dogfight. And it was beautifully handled. With a little bit of air-to-air bargaining going along with the air-to-air combat. Ah, man, it had all the elements that I liked. Some intrigue and lots of action. Rob, what say you, man? I mean, there's tons of cool stuff happening in the episode, but 
the thing that completely caught me off guard and left me laughing for quite a while, and this is probably my high point, is when Destro literally dumps Serana. That I just <laughs> I was not expecting that. It's, it's so ridiculous and over the top and just so straightforward. Because often in the series they kind of rush through certain things. I think we mentioned before where they. They assume, you know, you, you, you're playing catch-up between episodes or things happen very fast. But, like, that was just light speed ahead. Like, suddenly she was there and then she was gone. That was a high point. My low point, which um, seems to be something that everyone else enjoyed, but which plays into a lot of what I didn't like about the G.I. Joe movie is this mysticism and this weirdness, this Cobra-Lawness. I really didn't like the way that they did the Python Patrol. It seemed really stupid. Like, I preferred the more grounded-in-reality, hyper-real-world, sci-fi-ish-ness of, oh, the patterns do something that, that, you know, makes us so we can't see the craft on radar. The whole fusing with animals thing was just... eh, It was just weird, and I was like... No thanks. Try bizarre. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like bizarre yeah. in not a cool way. High points for me are probably Nagahide and just the lines he's dropping. Voice actor was was doing handstands. <laughs> Low point. I I agree with Rob in the respect that uh, he was mentioning the Python Patrol. It just didn't threaten me. It should have, and it didn't. So that that's probably the low point. Alrighty. Hmm. And then for me, uh, it's difficult to call it a high point, but um, I definitely enjoy the sense of danger that permeates throughout the whole episode. From the dogfight to Sergeant Slaughter, Lowlight, and Scoop's pursuit by the monkey men, all the way um, through to you know the fight between Cobra Commander and Serpento, and then the backstabbery and all that. There is, a, a, and of course, <laughs> Destro dumping Serana, there are actually some stakes involved in this episode. Uh, just to highlight some of them quickly, Sergeant Slaughter detonates their vehicles. Behind them, uh, Joe Conquest uh, gets hijacked by enemy forces, and you know that guy unleashes a salvo of missiles all over the place. Um, it definitely feels a little bit more tight than Red vs. Blue Lasers in terms of the danger presented to the characters. You You almost feel like uh, you know, somebody could take a hit or somebody could be near an explosion and then you don't see them again. That kind of vibe, at least I felt that. That was a high point, but I suppose that high point for me was highlighted by the dogfight and, oddly enough, Lowlight's infiltration. Uh, him taking out the Night Viper and uh, starting to do his thing, I think is very cool. I'm pretty sure that Night Viper isn't sleeping, you know what I mean? Kind of like, <laughs> you know, he even says like, oh, I'll bring you, uh, I'll make sure that I won't get your clothes dirty or whatever. But, uh, you know, you could read it between the lines of saying, uh, you're dead, so you're not going to give a shit anyway, kind of thing. Um, <laughs> he is depicted on the ground tied up. But yes, in the R-rated yes. G.I. Joe Resolute style Operation Dragonfire yeah. that exists in my mind, absolutely. Lowlight probably took out that Night Viper with extreme prejudice. Yeah, post-haste. And I love that. I love, uh, I love Lowlight. I really dig the fact that I have a modern-era Night Viper that I can go and pop my extra modern-era Lowlight head on and go, oh, look, I'm a Night Viper, Lowlight <laughs> infiltrator. Uh, <laughs> kind of a nod to Deke. Dislikes, something 
that was a bit of a low for me. <laughs> it's lukewarm when I say this, but I also have a problem with the Pythonization process. I don't hate it because it's hokey as hell and it works for me. I just kind of wish that they had sort of taught us as an audience that that was possible. Yes, we saw the Monkey Men, but it would have been cool to have seen something before that, like maybe them trying to Pythonize stuff and failing or something, and Cobra Commander then thus succeeding now that he has the Dragonfire. I think it would have made that circle more complete for me visually, but that's the only low point. I enjoyed the episode otherwise. I actually surprisingly enjoyed this episode, and it'll show in my rating later. Hmm. Yeah, guys, so how are we feeling about ratings? Like, what are we going to rate this episode? Before we do that, you you made me think of a rather curious bit of bit of action. I mean, it, the way it plays out when the Joes are withdrawing from the South American temple, they run past their armored vehicles, and they're like, we need to blow these up and jump in our conquests. But at that point, they had defeated Cobra's main force, you know, the guys mm-hmm. in the hovercrafts and the annihilators. That had happened in the previous episode. They were basically being pursued by Cobra Commander, the Baroness, Norgahide, and a couple of ape men. Surely they would have been able to easily turn the tide of that pursuit if they had just jumped into their armored vehicles <laughs> and <laughs> pointed their turrets at, uh, at the said Cobra forces. I mean, come on. And by the same token... Uh, could have done the same to their conquests and detonated their conquests with uh, enemy pilots in them. Yeah, come on. Jets that are on the ground versus tanks? Pfft, no contest. Stop Anyways. That. Yeah, Drops sorry. Let me stop pulling at the threads. <laughs> it's not going to sink this ship because, buddy boys, I'm going to give this episode five. I loved it. Wow. Oh, my word. I loved What's it. Going on? I'm, I'm sorry, man. Pythonization process doesn't matter two figs to this Joe fan. The shifting sands of the allegiances, the backstabbing, this is a Cobra-focused episode, and it's great. It's got X-19s in it. No one's mentioned that, but Phantom X-19s are in it. They aren't in it enough, but we get enough air-to-air combat to satisfy me. We get cool Mm. character moments, and we get focus shifted onto the pawns. It's the Cobra no-name characters, essentially, that are most intriguing to watch in this cartoon. It's guys like Ali Viper. It's, well, low lights, but he's in a Night Viper uniform. It's Scoop, breathing life and a named character into the Crimson God. Yeah, man, I love this episode. Cobra Command is back, and he's bad. And he's taking nobody's shit. <laughs> Rob yeah I think despite the pythonization process that as Stephen was just saying there's there's a ton of really cool like moments in this episode to kind of carry it over and you could see a lot of different types of action characters yeah could be on different sides and Scoop I mean he was amazing being a pilot coming from a you know <laughs> journalist background downing three <laughs> having yeah. three enemy yeah, aircraft having- <laughs> single handedly no wingman. Having zero experience. Zero experience that we could see from watching the episode. Of course. It's like you hand him a Joe uniform and suddenly he you know, he knows everything they know. And even so much so that Slaughter at the start of the episode is threatening him with a court martial. Mm. I mean, 
when did he get a chance to sign official documents or anything saying that he was part of the US military now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, I'm I'm nitpicking now. I really did enjoy this episode, but not as much as the previous one where we kind of had that cool turning point in Scoop's entire life. But it was pretty awesome. Uh, and I'm probably going to give it a four. Shit. Yeah, dude. So, Joe, what number are you sitting on, man? Mm. Well, I'm going to take four and five and like a stalker boot to the butt. I'm going to push those numbers over. But I will handcuff myself to the number three because it, it's right down the middle for me. There's good and bad. Mm. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just an all-around episode. It's setting up to the the final episode, which I may not be able to speak about with you gentlemen, but I will definitely listen. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I am anticipating it, so I, I'm still I'm still with Booth on this one. I am going to give it a four because I think... Ooh. Yeah, right? Because I think it deserves it. I think... This episode is such a good blend of action and intrigue. All of the moments that were mentioned by you fine gentlemen and one or two by myself have all come together to make a very fun and enjoyable episode that might not be the most memorable episode of the five. It does have some of the finest moments so far. All of the betrayal, all of the intrigue, low light in a Night Viper outfit that Cobra Carrier the list goes on condors x19 even for like a second uh, mm-hmm. uh there's, there's so much cool stuff and it deserves that fall it you know it's it's sad that uh the other episodes couldn't be as good as this but i didn't think i would give more than one episode of four and i have and oh uh, this shit's getting real <laughs> <laughs> well with all those round numbers that actually gives this episode overall a four from gi joe Dun dun dun. It's a pretty respectable rating. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Deke is is doing pretty well when compared to uh, the works of uh, Ron Friedman. (laughs) Mm. Incredibly. (laughs) But I'm really looking forward to seeing how this bad boy wraps up. And I hope, dear listener, so are you. So we'll find out this time tomorrow when we give you the G.I. Joe Book review of Operation Dragonfire, Day 5. I'm Steven. I've got to get tough. Joburg. Paul. Still randomly singing stuff in his head, Rob. And Cliffhanger Cujo, actually, we're going to have to put a hold on that review for Knowing Us Half the Podcast, because they're taking their sweet damn time with it. But, in due course, we will uh, chat those folks up. For you guys hanging on, and ladies. And we are G.I. Joburg. Bye bye. Oh, well, dude, <laughs> wasn't Baroness's. That's a win for Cougars, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> MILFs everywhere are rejoicing. That that was pretty amazing. Like it, it it's it's kind of the. I mean, I, I this probably this doesn't belong on the record, but like that whole thing about like a dude like buying a fancy new car, hanging out with a chick with pink hair, and then yeah. realizing his old life was actually the real him. 
That's right. Destro's gone full 360, man. Well, he's, he's done <laughs> a 180, should I say. That swingers party has reset. He's he's back in with the old gang. And you know how it is. Sex with your ex, it's like a comfortable pair of slippers. You can just slide right in. But you can't <laughs> take them out to party. <laughs> what, what time is it? You just became single? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. <laughs> okay, boys.